Welcome to What's Not Priced In, a weekly investor podcast by Fattail Investment Research. In a world of confusion and rapid change, experts Kirill Prakopenka and Greg Canavan look behind the headlines to unveil the hidden opportunities within the Australian stock market. Now, let's dive in to today's episode. Market jitters, bond sell-offs, extreme fear, rising volatility. Panic at the disco? Panic or not, it's certainly getting exciting. In this episode, Greg Kahneman and I covered the latest moves in the bond market, the Reserve Bank's latest decision, fearful market sentiment, and the outlook for key commodities. Greg thinks the markets are not at a capitulation low just yet, and more volatility is in store. So is this a time for panic? Not necessarily. For the steadfast investor, now is a great time to look for discounts. Hello and welcome back to the twentieth episode of What's Not Priced In, Greg. It's 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 been a journey. Twenty episodes. It's 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 pretty impressive. Well, so far, so good. Um, yep. But you know, plenty more to go. So let's exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, oh, by the way, before we start, last week we sort of mentioned that it was going to be a big week in uh, in football, NRL, and AFL. Did you watch the game last week? Certainly did. Uh, the NRL game was an absolute cracker. So, um, and you know, going for Penrith, uh, very happy to see them get home at the end. It was just a you know one of the one of the better games that I've seen in in a number of years. It had a real sort of state of origin vibe to it, and uh, just intense throughout the full eighty minutes. I didn't catch the uh, the AFL one. I had yep. to take my family to the airport, but I was listening to it on the uh, on the radio, and it's yep. always tricky listening to AFL on the radio. I, I always find it hard to envision where they are on the field mm. and stuff like that. But that also sounded like a good game, um, but not if you're from Brisbane. Pretty, pretty no, average weekend. That's a horrible weekend for Brisbane fans. Yeah, I, I watched the AFL final. It was, it was very close, very great game. Yep. Um, but before we, also, before we even get into it, there was um, last week I sort of mentioned that uh, there could be a new drinking game every time you hear hi for longer. And then someone made a comment. I'm not sure if you see, saw it on the YouTube channel that that said that the better drinking game would be if, if they take a shot every time I, I nod at something that you say. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a bit harsh really because yeah. one of the uh, just automatic body responses that you do when someone's talking is just to nod along. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, that you're agreeing with everything I yeah. say, but um yeah, so I, I so, thought, so this episode I'm not going like to cut it at anything. Slack, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just stand, just sit there and and, yeah. and don't respond to anything. I'll just keep I'm shaking sure my head. Some, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then you get some criticism for that. Yeah, no, but it's all good. It's all banter. It's all the what's not priced in banter with our with our community. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, anyway, enough enough of of me talking nonsense. I think we'll get into the, the market straight away, and it's been a pretty pretty wild few days we're recording this a little bit early we're recording this on on wednesday morning but uh markets are definitely selling off and bond yields continue to rise and uh it's it's starting to get a little bit exciting yeah well you know we 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 talked about this a couple of well maybe a month or so ago where we said the momentum trade was starting to Mm -hmm. break down um and obviously we're seeing that in a lot of the, the tech stocks and you're seeing a lot of selling coming into the nasdaq but the driving force behind all that is the higher for longer mantra. Um, so take a shot, uh, higher for longer. Everyone is getting behind that now. Um, and that is increasingly a consensus view. And I think it's probably as much of a consensus view as I've seen 
in, in the market all year. Central banks have really done a good job in jawboning that through to market participants. And even uh, yesterday with the RBA's rate decision, uh, there's still, to me, it was it actually read a little bit more dovish. Like if I'm just looking at the um, the final paragraph of the the uh, the statement, it said some further tightening of monetary policy may be required to ensure that inflation returns to target in a reasonable time frame. But that will continue to depend upon the data and the evolving assessment of risks. So I think it, it's almost like they've got to say that. They've got yeah. to say that their bias is towards tightening, but they don't really want to continue to tighten further, knowing mm. that the economy is growing below trend. Yeah. Uh, but they need to sound tough and they need to sound like they are willing to move again if inflation is stickier than what they should. And the same thing in uh, the States overnight, a couple mm-hmm. of Fed uh, Fed governors came out and, and sort of said that they're going to look to potentially increase rates one yep. more time. And to me, that's just emboldening the, the, the short-term traders who are really getting behind this short, short treasury trade. And you saw US yields rise uh, to 10-year bond yield rise to 4.8% yep. in the US overnight. And that's up 60 basis points in a month. And it's a similar move for the Aussie uh, 10-year bond yield. I think that was uh, finished around 4.64%. That's up 60 basis points as well. So there's just been this huge sell-off in the bond market. And obviously, that's the risk-free rate. So that puts pressure on uh, a stock market that is relatively overvalued. So maybe we'll, um, in a moment, we can go through and look at the the, the indices and, and just see where we are in in, in terms of the, the shorter term trading, because I think we are getting to a point where there's a lot of fear in the market and we're getting to an oversold level, which those conditions generally are conducive to a to a bit of a short term trading bounce. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of central banks, there was definitely one of the, the more hawkish ones, which was the, I think the president of the Cleveland, Cleveland Fed, and she sort of said that she would actually likely vote for a rate increase in November if the economy, the US economy remains as strong as it was in September. And she also made a speech uh, or an address a few days ago. And she did say that while uh, the Fed is making progress on inflation, the level of inflation is still too high, which is basically what I think central banks across the board have been saying for pretty much this whole year. And she did sort of say we are likely near or possibly at the peak of the Fed's fighting rate. But she said, now the task stands to ensuring that we keep monetary policy restrictive for long enough to be confident that inflation returns to our 2% goal in a timely way. We are not there yet, but we will get there. Yeah, yeah and I think in, in many ways they've painted themselves into a, into a corner in that mm. they literally have to see near recessionary conditions uh, pick up in unemployment in order to get that inflation rate down. Inflation is a is a lagging indicator. So by the time you see inflation down to levels they're going to be happy with, mm. the economy will have slowed significantly and, and quite possibly in recession. And I was just looking around uh, yesterday because we haven't done the magazine indicator mm-hmm. for a little while uh, on, on this show. So I noticed I'll just... Um, uh, share a um, uh, what do you call it an, an indicator from uh, yep. or the magazine cover from Barron's magazine, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, so it says the extraordinary labour market, and I think this is a good indi- indicator to say that the labour market will show signs of of weakness pretty soon because, mm-hmm. like inflation, employment 
uh, or unemployment is a lagging economic indicator. You generally don't see it until mm-hmm. after the slowdown has, has really kicked in. Uh, and for, I think one of the key uh, narratives behind this higher for longer is that the labour market remains really, really strong. And while ever the labour market re- remains strong, that's providing concerns for central bankers. It's providing upward pressure on interest rates uh, or bond yields, uh, and it's putting pressure on on stocks as well. So I think that the, almost the final leg of this, this downturn or this slowdown that we're seeing and the stock market starting to price in uh, is an uptick in uh, or weakness in the in the labour market, and uh, right on cue, Barron's has come out with a with a pretty cool uh, magazine uh, contrary indicator yep. to suggest that that might soon be about to happen. Yeah, and I think with the with the I think it's definitely I think some people are saying that this potentially could be the top in the in the bond yield trade, especially when I think uh, on one of the American talk shows there was a financial. A talking head who sort of said that he thinks potentially bond yields could hit 16%. And I think that sort of went a little bit viral in the financial community because it was such a, maybe a bit of an extravagant call, but it sort of suggests that I think maybe the, the top is near in that trade. Yeah, I think when people have the <laughs> confidence to come out and say stuff like that, I mean, 16%, that is, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty insane call. Uh when people have got the confidence to come out and say that, you know that uh, things are getting getting pretty pretty crazy. Technically, and we'll look at some charts in a moment, but technically the bond market looks really, really ugly. Uh, but certainly from a fundamental perspective, yields at 4.8% mm-hmm. in the US, a long-term risk-free bond yield. When I say risk-free, it's obviously you know, you, you're guaranteed of getting your principal back and the question mark is how in, inflated away that will be over time. But... 4.8% in a in a slowing economy is a pretty good is a pretty good bet uh, and in a slowing economy when stocks are valued still pretty richly um you know to me the the risk reward of bonds versus equities is is heavily tilted in favor of of bonds at the moment from a broad market perspective mm-hmm. i think there's certainly equities in australia especially where they they're good value and 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 worth buying but just from that diversification perspective with bond yields this high it certainly makes sense to yeah. to allocate a portion of your portfolio into a into a bond uh you know bond fund at the moment yeah definitely i think we maybe spoke about it last week and i think maybe i wrote an, an article about this this last week as well it was that the equity risk premium both in the us and australia is now extremely small because the earnings yield you get on stocks is just almost at par with the yield you get on on loan term and safe bonds and that definitely puts pressure on stocks when you can get a much pretty much the same return with pretty much zero risk and i think now maybe the markets are sort of starting to realize and i think that you sort of mentioned that this could happen i think maybe two two months ago where we sort of showed the the jaws of death that graph that sort of showed the disparity between uh, this stock valuations and where actual bond yields are heading I think maybe now it, the jaws are closing since snapping shut and some fingers can get bitten off. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because in many ways the jaws aren't closing just yet. You've yep. got bond yields that are continuing to fall and the, the uh, mm-hmm. equity indices are starting to catch up, catch down mm-hmm. to those, those falling bond yields. So we're not actually seeing a closing of the jaws. We're just seeing the equity indices starting to, starting to say, 
actually, uh, you know, we're really overvalued here. We've got a slowing economy. Mm -hmm. We've got a Fed that is is taking liquidity out of the economy, rising energy prices, which is taking liquidity out of the markets as well. Uh, none of those things are conducive to to risk taking, and mm -hmm. that's what you're seeing at the moment. And and the, the money's not going into bond funds. Clearly, you know, bonds are continuing to sell off. So you've got this situation where equity markets and bond markets selling off at the same time. Um, and that tells me that, uh, you know, money's, money's tight and tight interest rates are, are pulling liquidity out of the market. And, and the, the whole risk-taking mantra has just, uh, has just disappeared in a, in a matter of months. So perhaps um, let's look through some of the, the charts. We, we went through uh, a lot of these last week, mm -hmm. but I think we have had some pretty significant moves over the past uh, week. So it's worth just sort of updating where we are. And I also wanted to show the uh, the RSI, which is a relative strength index, index as a, an indication of how sort of far momentum is on the downside. Mm -hmm. And maybe just to, to start before we look at the charts, just to give you an update on where we are in the CNN fear and greed index, we are now firmly into extreme fear territory. So again, I think I've said this before, this is not necessarily a uh, a buy or a sell indicator um, purely from where this is, but it is telling you that that sentiment is now um, extremely negative uh, and that is often conducive to uh, at least a short-term bounce. Uh, but in saying that, um, a, a number of other things need to come together in order to suggest that we're at a... Uh, capitulation low or a, or a long-term bottom. So I think we, we might be at a, a level where we can bounce from pretty shortly, but in terms of capitulation low, I don't think we're anywhere mm -hmm. near that if that is indeed uh, the type of situation we're coming coming to. So if you look at um, S&P 500, uh, it's, it's now trading well below uh, the 100-day moving average here. It's, it's tried to bounce back up a little bit, turning back down. So this trend looks now to be um, on the downside, is oversold, um, but that's oversold conditions are often a characteristic of, uh, you know, um, negative trends and bear markets. Uh, this is the NASDAQ, similar situation here. It's rolling over, uh, made a lower high here and lower lows. So this is, looks like it's starting to, to roll over. Oversold here, bounced very in a minor way, and now it's coming back down again after the overnight. This is includes Tuesday night's sell-off, which, as you can see, was nearly 2% for the NASDAQ, 1.37% for the S&P 500. This is the uh, the Russell 2000, so like a small cap index. Uh, it looked like, if I just zoom out a little bit here, it did look like it was breaking out um, here as that momentum trade sort of started to get underway but really quickly rolled over and it's now back down to its, its lows from uh, earlier this year and, and into, into last year. So that's given up any type of positive momentum it had. Uh, just quickly run through uh, Apple. Just zoom in a little bit here. Again, that's looking, uh, you know, looks, looks like it's entering into a downtrend here. Microsoft, similar picture. Tesla looks like it's holding up reasonably well, uh, but you know I've looked at the valuation of this plenty of times, and I just can't see how um, it can sustain that that level mm -hmm. longer term. 
uh, NVIDIA. This is the, I guess, the pinup stock for mm -hmm. the AI and uh, momentum trade. Still holding up reasonably well in terms of this trend and these moving averages still intact. Uh, so you'd really want to see whether it holds the lows from 21st September um, if we do get another sell-off. Uh, and if it breaks through there, which I suspect it will, if the, the other... Uh, the tech sector in general uh, succumbs to these higher yields, then yes, I think you're going to see lower prices. Uh, the this is the uh, the Fang Index, which is the top ten uh, tech stocks in the yeah. world or in the US, in the U.S. markets really, which is <clears throat> pretty much the world. Again, uh, moving lower, uh, higher higher highs, higher lows, um, bounce from these oversold levels, but looks like it's turning down again. And just on the Aussie market, I thought this is interesting just to have a look at a couple of uh, couple of charts here. We showed this last week, how we saw the breakdown uh, and that selling has continued. We are in oversold territory here. This is uh, Wednesday morning. So the uh, ASX 200, I think is, well, the futures are pointing to another down day today, uh, which will probably push this uh, momentum indicator down further. So I'd probably be looking at some sort of bounce mm -hmm. purely from a technical perspective soon. Um, but in saying that, it's held up better than uh, better than say the US markets mm -hmm. purely because the banks uh, yeah. are looking okay, and that comes back down to labour market, dysfunctional housing market where you've got a huge amount of um, demand and and lack of supply, which is holding up house prices. And it's worth pointing out that higher interest rates have crush just about every asset mm -hmm. price except residential property in Australia. Yeah. Residential property uh, has held up near its all-time highs uh, and that's obviously supporting banks, balance sheets and the labour market strength is allowing people to maintain uh, and service those mortgages. So yeah. that's um, shown in this bank index holding up. Now, again, if the economy slows, or continues to slow, I should say. Uh, to me, this looks vulnerable to a to another downside move. Um, so we'll keep a close eye on that. But it's a large part of the reason why the ASX 200 has held mm. up as well. Uh, and also, the large resource stocks, uh, maybe mostly the iron ore miners, uh, have held up pretty well recently, uh, and that has meant that the ASX 200 resources index. Uh, has maintained above support here as well. Now, I'm expecting a sell-off here today, so you'll probably see a break below here. So again, bit of an ominous sign. And just looking at this, we talk about yep. some jaws, looking at the jaws between the iron ore price and the Chinese yuan. Uh, iron ore has continued to show strength, even though, you know, we've seen a bit of a bounce recently, but even though the yuan, US dollar exchange rate has been quite weak and generally the iron ore price has, has followed that. So there's a bit of a gap here uh, that is a concern. And if iron ore prices were to fall back down to here, they'd be back down below $90 uh, a ton. I guess the other thing helping out is the weakness in the Aussie dollar. Uh, mm -hmm. And I've got that down here uh, and sold off nearly another percent overnight down to a new low. Uh, and again, that's just an indication of uh, weaker global economic uh, growth. And in my view, uh, an RBA that is sounding more like it's done on the interest rate front rather than the Fed, which still yeah. sounds really hawkish. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we look at 
the effect of that on, say, the commodities. Mm-hmm. And this is really where commod- commodities are really hurt by real interest rates. So if we look at, um, we've talked about this before, but this is the TIPS fund, which is the inverse of real yields. So this yep. is as the TIPS fall, that means real yields are heading higher. So real yields have, have spiked higher uh, the last couple of weeks, and that's really hurting commodities across the board. So you've got gold here, gold's broken down. Again, very oversold. So maybe <clears throat> this sell-off for gold will see a bit of a bounce. Interesting, sometimes you do get false breaks from these consolidation mm-hmm. ranges. So uh, I guess the question for gold bugs out there, you want to find, you want to look and see whether we bounce back up to this break uh, breakdown level and turn back down again, or whether we bounce back into yeah. the consolidation area. So that's something to look out for. Um, yeah, probability suggests it will turn back down, especially if this <clears throat> higher for longer narrative and, and uh, trading regime hangs around for a few more months. Uh, so you want to just be cautious about trying to pick the bottom uh, on that front because mm-hmm. we could see some more downside in the weeks and months ahead. Silver, uh, broken sharply lower there as well. Um, again, heavily oversold, so it's looking for a bounce. Copper is within uh, <clears throat> within this consolidation range. It hasn't broken down as yet, uh, so that could be seen as a positive sign for copper and it's holding above oversold levels. Um, so that's a clo- uh, one to keep an eye on as well for the breakout or the, or the breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and just quickly uh, going through oil, we know oil's been in a strong rally, uh, got very oversold, and we we're talking about not buying into and not following mm-hmm. this rally, and it does look like it might be starting to, to correct lower a little bit. Um, but still, from a trend perspective, that looks very healthy. And the main reason behind the weakness in commodities uh, and the ongoing rise in yields mm-hmm. is this strong US dollar index. Uh, and that's looking looking quite powerful, albeit overbought. So this is the opposite of the commodities uh, yeah. and opposite a lot of the other trades is that money's going into the US dollar uh, and it's now overbought. So looking for a bit of a, a correction there, which would support uh, a reversal and a, and a rally in some of these oversold commodities. And just uh, again, on the tips, real yields heading to decade highs Mm -hmm. and the similar thing there, the TLT, everyone knows, well, just about everyone knows about the biggest bond fund in the US, which is the uh, 20 year plus treasury bond ETF that broke down over the last couple of weeks, very, very oversold now. So I think that's what I was saying before. Technically, Mm -hmm. this looks like a pretty, like if you zoom out a little bit here, this looks like a very ugly chart. I mean, that is just not finding support anywhere. And I think if you go long, 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 long term back, you have to go right back to 2007 since yields were this high. Fundamentally, I think it's a probably a good opportunity. To, mm. And we've mentioned this before uh, on, on the show, you know, accumulating bond yields here. We not, might not be picking the exact low, but I think yeah. from a diversification perspective, uh, Buying bonds at these at these yields is, is not a bad move. Uh, certainly, you know, not betting the house on it, but just allocating yep. a portion of your portfolio to that makes sense. And the Aussie bond bond uh, fund, which is the BlackRock Australia mm-hmm. iShares core composite bond <laughs> composite bond <laughs> ETF. Sorry, it's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, that's actually held up 
pretty well. So even though you're seeing these bond yields surge, the lows were made back here in 2022. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's a bit of a that's a positive sign. You're seeing very very negative uh, comments, negative uh, narrative around bonds. Yet the Aussie bond ETF is holding above the lows from mm -hmm. uh, what do we got here from both uh, July and also back in October and back in uh, June. So not not a bad. I mean, we're still in in downtrend here, um, but again, accumulating accumulating bonds at these at these levels, I think, is a is a reasonably decent play. And just while I'm on these charts, let's just finish off with a couple that we showed last week. And this just mm -hmm. supports, again, the fact that we're getting probably close to a, a short-term low. Um, we've got ASX stocks that are now, uh, from an RSI perspective, and I can actually get rid of this RSI now. Mm -hmm. From an RSI perspective, we're getting 24% of stocks that are in an oversold level. And generally, you only see that Yep. around these sort of big sell-off spikes and the market has um, typically sort of rallied from that level. So we're getting there um, on that front. We're also getting there from the uh, the number of ASX 200 stocks that are above the 200-day moving average. Um, more and more stocks are breaking down below that 200-day that moving average. Yep. So again, not necessarily a short-term trading uh tool but it's just showing you that more and more stocks are breaking down from their longer term uptrends and now moving below the 200 day moving average which is a i guess a bit of a proxy for a longer term longer term mm -hmm. trend again from a shorter term perspective the number of asx 200 stocks making new 52 week lows uh, is back up to pretty high levels um, and i think this was in September last year around the lows of the market. So we're not far off where that was. So this is, you know, again, potentially at a, at a tradable bounce. Um, but this is the, the one for me that I tend to look at from a, a longer term perspective mm -hmm. and whether we're talking about capitulation lows or longer term lows, this is the ASX 200 stocks within 20% of a 52 week high. So effectively, uh, this is saying that 60% of stocks are still in a, a bull market because they're yeah. within 20% of their 52-week highs. Uh, on, the, on the flip side of that, you're saying 40% of stocks are in bear markets. Mm -hmm. And at these lows last year, you had pretty much 30% of stocks that were in a bull market and 70% that were in a bear market. And that was more of an indication that we're at a, at a longer-term low because the, the, the market had been pretty much washed mm -hmm. out and you know, most of the many of the stocks are in uh, in bear markets. So I think we're still in the early days of that of that trend. Not saying that it'll get down to this level, mm -hmm. um, but it's just something to keep in mind that we might be in the early stages of the majority of stocks sort of turning down from their highs, starting to go into downward trends. Um, which is why I focus on when I'm looking at stocks to recommend. I'm really focusing on stocks that have already been through that washout. Yeah. Like I'm looking for ASX 200 stocks that have fallen 50% from their highs, have stabilized on the charts, might be looking at turn back up. Uh, whereas if you, you can look at a stock that you might like and think, oh, okay, you know, I wouldn't mind buying that. But if the trend has just started to turn down mm -hmm. and it may be 
10 or 15% from its highs, uh, you might just want to be a little bit cautious about uh, about jumping on it. And just lastly, Carol, to look at the Aussie VIX index. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not telling me we're at a capitulation low or any uh, type of, uh, you know, large amount of fear in the market. This is still a relatively well-behaved uh, fear index. So um, I guess the... To sum all that up, I would say that we are relatively close to a short-term bottom just mm-hmm. because the the amount of selling that we've seen in the market has been pretty persistent over the past week uh, and we're getting many oversold conditions. Uh, you're seeing spikes in oversold levels. Yep. You're seeing increases in 52-week lows. All those common signs that, that a bounce is not far off. Um, but with this interest rate mantra higher for longer, uh, and central banks really determined mm-hmm. to inflict some damage. To me, I think we're a couple of months away from seeing the evidence that that damage mm-hmm. has been has been uh, made, and and for central banks to start to change their tune. I remember when we first started talking about this. I think we were m- midway through September, and we said let's uh, check in uh, in December and see whether that uh, higher for longer mantra is still with us. So, um, what are we now? We're roughly. October. Two and a bit months away from that, um, yep. so we'll 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 check in, we'll check in again, and, and see how that's going. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I think maybe I think for an, from an investor's point of view, I think the news out there is a little bit negative, uh, maybe maybe a little bit more than negative. So how should investors maybe make sense of all of this right now? I think you've already sort of touched on it before, but. Is this a time for caution, for panic, or is this maybe a time for an agile stock picker to sort of get excited, or is this maybe a time to sort of hold off and maybe wait until real opportunities arise in maybe December, like you just said? Well, I think it's um, to me it's it's uh, it's always just a time to do what I normally do, which yeah. is try to analyze stocks, find good value, uh, work out whether the Forward projections are, are realistic. Uh, whether the um, the consensus earnings forecasts from analysts are realistic, and then just try to find good companies to invest in longer term. These are the times that I actually get more excited about doing that. Um, I think if we do get a change in that higher for longer narrative, I think you're going to see stocks like commodities, gold, Bitcoin bonds, all those sort of really interest rate sensitive stuff, property trusts that have been Mm -hmm. really smacked down hard. You're going to see a bounce in a lot of those uh, type of stocks because I think there's an argument to say that they are good value. It's just Mm -hmm. that the interest rate environment is is really seeing investors sell them down. So personally, I, I get more interested in the market when there is a fear around uh, and there's there's concern because you know that when fear is priced in, you're getting good potential for future returns. When there's optimism and everyone's agreeing how good things are, there's just not a lot of uh, – it, 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 it squashes yeah. and constricts your ability to generate good future returns. Fear is what allows you to generate future returns, but you've got to be able to – buy the right stocks, find those stocks that are undervalued uh, and stick with them even though the market might disagree with you for a little while. So um, I'm not rushing to get it to, to sort of buy things at this stage, but I'm certainly not panicking and saying, oh, we need to get out of this or get out of that purely because the market's decided 
that you know for the time being um, they're not uh, they're not buying. And you know I've got gold stocks in my portfolio. They've been knocked around mm-hmm. uh, for quite some time, but I'm getting increasingly excited about adding to those positions purely because I think the correction uh, that we've seen over the past few months has, has gone gone too far. And just in general, I think from a contrarian perspective, there are a lot of stocks that have been really knocked around. And if you sort of try to put aside this uh, interest rate rising cycle uh, and the fact that in two years' time, things are going to look a lot different, you can pick up a lot of really attractive companies um, around around this time. This is the time to actually buy for a for a longer term longer term portfolio, and we've been managing a model portfolio for our for our clients at, at Fatal Investment Research, and we've still got forty percent uh, cash allocation, and that mm-hmm. has stood us in really good stead. We've outperformed the market uh, by th- I looked at the numbers yesterday. We've got six percent outperformance uh, since inception, which was in December. Uh, 2021, and that's largely because we've remained defensive. But mm-hmm. it's getting time where we can allocate that that cash because there's more opportunities that are starting to uh, starting to come up. So, um, long way of answering your question. <laughs> Don't change anything. Have a process, uh, and just stick to that process, and make sure that you're um, not being scared of executing yeah. on your process just because everyone else is panicking. Yeah. And I think you, you raised a good point because it's easy to get bogged down about interest rates and macroeconomic events. But at the end of the day, if you are someone who doesn't necessarily just buy funds, but picks individual stocks, then it's not like you need to really pay that much attention to what's happening at the Fed or the Reserve Bank. Uh, there's still lots of great businesses that are just going about their day to day, and they're not necessarily worried too much about what the boards and central banks are doing. So if you can just maybe pick those businesses, then you should be fine long-term anyway. Uh, Absolutely. And, that, and that's why having that process is really important because if you've got a process and you know what the valuation is, you can say to yourself, well, okay, well, this is what the market's thinking, yep. but the market's the market's not always rational. I mean, the market is a lot smarter than me. It's a lot smarter than you. It's a lot smarter than everyone. But at times, it's completely ridiculous. Yep. And that's when emotion comes into prices. And when you know that there's a lot of emotion in prices and you see emotion at extreme fear and extreme greed. I mean, that's that's a good sign of when there's too much of emotion in the market. You generally know that the prices are not reflective of long-term, long-term value. And the tricky thing is working out when prices are reflective of long-term value. You know, that's that's the hardest part about investing. But um, uh, you know, I, I don't think I think this is a time to get to get excited and get interested. And I especially think, and I know you're um, you're off to London for a couple of weeks, so we are going to have a few different things on this podcast in the next couple of weeks. And one of the uh, one person I want to get on is James Cooper, who is our mm-hmm. commodities analyst. Yep. Uh, and I just think there's a lot of great opportunities emerging, especially at the smaller end of the commodities market. Yep. Um, so I'm going to get James on uh, in, in the weeks ahead and, and have a chat about, you know, where he sees those opportunities as well. So that should be, uh, should be fun. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think with that, I think that's a nice way to finish up. So definitely look forward to those interviews and make sure to leave a comment and like it. It, it helps us out. And uh, yeah, feel free to to comment if I've nodded too much or too little. And yeah, but as, as Greg said, I'll be off for, for a few weeks going to, to the UK. Um, it'll be an exciting time. Yeah, we'll have a good trip. And I'll be, uh, I'll be in the States next week. So uh, I'm not quite sure 
how we're going to go about getting this <laughs> this podcast out. I might record something when I'm yep. over there very briefly. But um, have a good trip, mate, and we'll see you. you. Uh, we'll see you in a month. Awesome. Thank you, guys. No worries. See you guys. Bye. See ya. Thanks for joining What's Not Priced In, your weekly source of unique ideas in the Australian stock market. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your support by following us on your chosen platform and turn those post notifications on so you don't miss a thing. And uh, stay tuned for the upcoming episodes as we delve into new topics, new trends and new stocks. Thanks for your support. Hope to see you next week.